from grain to glass, this show is dedicated to helping you make the best beer possible. So strap in and hold on to your mash tons. We're Homebrew Bound. Welcome to Homebrew Bound. I'm Casey. And I'm Brian. This is the best beer show on the internet. Yep. <laughs> oh, we're Homebrew Bound. <laughs> <laughs> All right, before I get too deep here, uh, Brian, I'm going to, while I'm doing these ad reads, do you want to just step outside that door and grab that um, new Two-Hearted that we bought? Oh, yeah. So we can try that as well. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, I want to give a big shout out to the American Homebrewers Association. They do a lot of support home uh, brewing and homebrewers, and now they support us. Uh, Join the AHA will give you discounts at homebrew shops and select tap rooms, as well as give you access to the fantastic Zymergy magazine. Click on the fur link on our homepage and uh, or use Blind Dash Ninja Dash Studios at checkout and join today. I want to give a big shout out to our patrons, specifically our Black Belt patrons: Andy Thompson, Bjorn Bjornsson, Hoppenbrill Brewing, Brian Bryanson, Devin Sinson, Phil Feldman, and Tyler Romanski. If you'd like to become a patron, uh, head over to patreoncom studios uh, or click on the patron link on our homepage at blindinjustudios.com. Become a patron today, and you can join in the live chat with the Andes. Uh, the Andes are in there this week. Um, so uh, shout out to you guys. This is probably like a stupid question, but like, have the Andes ever met? No. I mean, like, do they want to? I don't know. Oh. That's that's up to the Andes, man. We don't. Or is it like two Andes meet and then there's like an explosion? There could maybe be an explosion. I don't know. I've yeah, never seen two Andes in the same be room. A good thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you have. <laughs> All right. Too many Andes. Not enough mics. <laughs> God, there's so many mics in, in this, like, local brewing scene that's kind of insane. Yeah. Um, all right. So, uh, yeah, beer-related this week, uh, I made my way down to Toppling Goliath Brewing uh, down in Decorah, Iowa. Beautiful Decorah, Iowa. I mean, you can try taking that off nicely, but... Well, oh, no. Watch. Watch me do it. Uh, no, I'm trying to talk about the things I did. I went down for... <laughs> okay, uh, and the Andes watch. Like, they're watching, right? I went down for uh, a beer release. A friend got their lottery and went down, and we had some really good beers. Can, they have can we just talk about that for a second? That A brewery is like, oh, we're having a lottery for only a certain amount of people to get this beer. That's blowing my mind. Like, Well, you you want to hear something even like... So I didn't get I didn't uh, get a ticket to, for the lottery. <laughs> Lottery, wow. right? Wow. Somebody could have lost an eye on that yeah, one. That Good thing the dog wasn't down here. <laughs> um, uh, so they, uh, the it was a variant of Assassin, right? It yeah. was the like the their double rye barrel, barrel Assassin. I think I've ever even had regular Assassin. Like, am I just too much of a peasant? Uh, I mean, uh, I don't know. I like I've. I've weaseled my way into the right circles to have uh, a lot of things. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's just kind of where I've been, but that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. I've had a lot of the whales, as they're called. Whales. Whales, brah. Whales, brah. Um, but anyway, so I went down there, and so it was like the rye, or the double rye barrel assassin was the one that they released. They had a 2020 assassin, um, their current like 2023 assassin, or 2022 assassin, and then... Um, a few other things. And so I had the 2020, but I couldn't try the variant because I didn't have a ticket. You could only buy a sample of the one if you had the ticket. So, like, I couldn't, I went down there and I wasn't able, even able to try. Well, so, like, Steve let me try some well, of his yeah, sample, I mean, but of course. It was still like, come on. That's freaking wild. I don't know. Maybe that's, maybe that's that, um, that, f- like, false market. Like, they made, 
the market by creating. Maybe. I mean, but we also I mean? we but we know how hard it is to make a, a barrel aged beer. It's stupidly hard, right? Well, it, I'm sorry. It, I mean, yeah, it is, but also to make it in any kind of quantity and give it any sort of consistency. I mean, like year to year, there was no way. Mm-hmm. There is no way. But like you know, making it pretty close. Like what have I always said? Like one, sometimes we would open up a barrel. Or I'm sorry, not open it. You know what I mean? Like drive a nail into a Vinny nail and like, yep. and, you, and you'd taste this and it tasted like just total soy sauce. And we got frustrated and we're like, well, we'll just let it lay it down for longer. And then a year later, it's time to taste the barrels again. And it tastes great. Yeah. And the fact that they're totally mind blowing. Well, and like I, I like that they're able to do these yearly releases and I'm like, I guess I'm happy that they're able to charge the price that they're charging. Well, and get paid for it. To, like uh, this is in the middle of nowhere. It's in mm-hmm. Iowa. It's in Decorah, Iowa. I was like, and the, yeah, was a like, single bottle was a hundred dollars. It was like the time I went to Wolfenbüttel in Germany to go to the Jägermeister Distillery. I and mean, they were like, might as well have gone to Kansas in the United States. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But like uh, this next weekend, I'm going to Central Waters Anniversary, and I'm getting six bottles of barrel aged beer for mm-hmm. fifteen dollars a piece. You're going on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Sunday will be roughish. Yeah, we'll see. We'll probably still record. Yeah, we have I've, to. I've seen you. Yeah, I, I've done hot dish competitions many after. years. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I can rally. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a thing down in Spring Valley, Minnesota, but I don't think it's a thing in Hudson anymore. I don't really know. Could it be done with a vintage like Fuller's in the UK? I'm not. I'm not sure. What? Uh, like the like the older older beer aging and things like that barrel aged beers. I don't know if Fuller's does. I maybe or maybe I'm missing something in the chat. You might be. Yeah. Fuller's makes a just like a killer robust porter. Oh, their Fuller's <laughs> is awesome. I like, I like Fuller's. Yep. But that's because I, I think I think that's because we don't get it. Yeah. So we're really probably. excited about it. Yeah, it could be. They have those weird Skittle bottles too. Like they're like a. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. I was like, there's not, I don't remember Skittles in any of the. Oh, no, that's what that's called. <laughs> I think, I think anyway. Well, what, um, what's that, the Bell, what's, god damn it, that Belgian that I like so, so darn much, the one with the purple label. With Lindemans? The, no, with the weird purple label with the weird bottle. Oh my god, this is so stupid. It's on the tip of my tongue. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, Skittle bottle. All right. Look it so, up. So, uh, we, we have a couple of beers that we're going to try. One, uh, so uh, I stopped at this bottle shop in Rochester, and they had a bunch of imports that I was very excited about. You paid $27 for this bottle of beer. Plus tax. Plus tax. Yeah. So Is that what 30. you were talking about earlier? I paid yeah. $30 for a bottle of beer. Yeah. Yep. You did. did. <laughs> it's a big bottle, but. Oh. Um, so Fuller's, I guess, releases an annual ESB. I don't know if that could be. An ESB? Aged, yeah. yeah. Hell yeah, I you mean, can age yeah, that. I don't yeah, see why, why not. not? You can age anything. I want to do an ESP <laughs> vertical now. <laughs> yeah. You can age anything, just, you know. Various success. Oh, what, we, what do we always say? You age a double IPA and it's a, no, and then it's it's a, a barley, barley wine. wine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I had a quad IPA at um, Forager. Jesus. Yeah. I was what like, was That's it? Just a barley okay. What, is, what percentage is a quad IPA to them? 12. Okay. okay. Right. Yeah. It might as well just be a, a triple. Well, at what point is a triple a triple? After I, 10? I'd say after 10. Okay. Their triple IPA was only nine, though. 
Yeah, you know, you know what? Okay. <laughs> um, so, w- long-time listeners of the show know that we drank too hard at all the time. Yeah. Um, and... They have been like messing with two hearted for a while now. Yeah. Uh, Bells has. They've done cold hearted. They've done light hearted. Cold hearted was the cold IPA version. Light hearted was the um, session IPA version. And now they have done something that we never thought they would do. They released hazy hearted. And so we kind of want to try it and like see if we can be whelmed. <laughs> well, and then when, when, uh, uh, Black Belt patron and listener Devin Stinson came up. He was like, all right, show me what this Bell's Too Hearted is all about. And we just told him, prepare to be whelmed. Yeah, and he was definitely he whelmed. He was whelmed. Yep, that's another thing in the world. That's what I like to say. All right, so okay, pours. Okay, that is not even all that hazy. Yeah, it's that, not very hazy. It better taste good. <laughs> uh, it smells very juicy. Does it? All right, so it's not a whole lot of haze. I don't know if the Andes can see uh, this yep, on the nice, patented beer light. Uh, yeah, patented beer light, fairly clear. I mean, I guess it is. It's hazier than um, what we. Ah, oh, that's that's fresh. It's pretty fresh. What? No way. At least it smells very fresh. Packaged. I don't. Andy, you're gonna see a whelming. I bet. Twelve. Wonder. Month ago. I think this was packaged on December 9th. Yeah, so about a month ago. Hell yeah, that's awesome. That's why this, this smells amazing. Yeah, it smells very fresh. I'm totally blown uh, away. I mean, beautiful, like, tight-bubbled head. Yeah. And this is just, like, Michigan Chinook, right? Probably. I thought that's what Two-Hearted was. Just that's shit. What, I think that's what Two-Hearted is. Just I don't know if Hazy-Hearted has that in there. Um, talk about this, and I'll look up uh, Hazy-Hearted and see if I can find the... I mean, oh, what, what? There's some weird. Uh, so there's oat in it. Mineral flavor in here. Hang on. All right, it does not say the hops. Um, it has that, that like, God, there's like a mineral. Are you tasting that? Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's the, it's the two hearted flavor. What is that? I don't know. It's two hearted. It's almost like just met metal. I don't get that in regular too hearted. I get that in old too hearted. Okay. Like um there's there's something in there that like on the back end of it, it tastes like old too hearted. Yeah, there's okay, fine. Then I'll give you that. But also this is not quite as amber as regular too hearted either. No, no. So uh I don't think there's any sea hops in this. Well, or not not sea hops, they... uh not uh oh. sorry, sea sea malt. Oh. Well, I can, I mean, I don't even, I can assume that, yeah, there's some kind of, like, probably C60. And in Too Hearted, there definitely oh, is. sure there is. Um, this, uh, like, yeah, so this says water, malt, hops, wheat, and oats. There's definitely wheat. Yeah. You can taste that. I think that's what my, prob- <clears throat> what my problem is with it is the wheat or the oats. It's making it, like, it's kind of like this lager that we just drank on the on the episode prior to this. Where we talked about keg hopping. Yeah. But I think like that was my issue with that one is that it was a little bit sweeter and there was Munich malt in it. And so I'm like, okay, now automatically I can't drink like 10 of them. But with this one, 
it's that oat and wheats that's really like that's what's there's like, a, there's a huge sweetness here and it's yeah. playing with like there's a little bit of the tropical fruit like on the nose and it from the hop it's like there's a chunk of malt sitting in the like the middle of my tongue and every time I take a sip of this it's just like this fat maltiness and it's not what I was expecting I don't like it I don't like it either like I think they did a good job ripping off like a hazy like, IPA a hazy IPA like on the nose and like on the way that the hop flavor is but other than that like I don't know man this one um it doesn't say what yeast what yeast do you think they used on this one oh uh no hang on sorry Andy you're talking to other Andy about uh he uh brewed a two-hearted clone and attenuated to 90 percent holy crap (laughs) what did you do (laughs) some sugar in there right um all right yeah I don't Care for it. So they wait a minute. So they did a two hearted clone. Can they get two hearted? I'm assuming not. Or? No, I don't think it makes it oh. across overseas. Huh. You can get two hearted. It's funny when I when I first learned about two hearted, you could get it in a twenty two ounce bottle and that was it. And now you can get it in like a nineteen point two ounce can. Like you can get it in any format. It's unbelievable. Yeah. So and anyway. in any bar. All right. Um yeah. Yeah, and that's that's, that's mm. good though. That's why oh, I drink yeah. so much of it, because I'm like, I know what I'm gonna get like it's probably not going to be very good all right let's uh let's go into our actual commercial calibration one that everybody can get if well all right it's available worldwide i don't know if anybody can get it it takes like i find it every once in a while and it's very exciting <laughs> we have uh the tray uh fontien uh oud goose Woo! Oud goose. so let's see oh fudge I don't know. Do you want to pour these in a different glass? Uh, yeah, just grab two off the shelf there. All right. Um, yeah, so this is, uh, so Nude Goose is a blended uh, Lambic. So this is uh, blended by uh, Three Fontaine, containing a Lambic whose wort originated uh, from them, as well as Boone, Lindemann, and Giardine, uh, depending on uh, when it was blended and bottled. Um, yeah, so uh, Lambics, as we know, uh, uh, no, no, uh, top by the whiskeys, left. Oh, jeez. There you go. Um, yeah, so, uh, they're, they're spontaneously fermented in the Lambic region of Belgium. Lambic! Lambic! Um, the, yeah, it, it's, they're fantastic. They're sours, they're all gonna be different, um, yeah. Did blended. you say there's brown, brown, blonde, and amber versions of this style? Uh, I did not, no. So brune, blonde, and ambre. So darker versions have more malt character, palers uh, have more hops. It's still a malt-focused beer, okay? Uh, related style is a beer de Mars, which is another interesting style altogether, which is like a... And we'll talk a little bit about that today. Beer, beer de Mars and yep. uh, beer de Noel. Nice. All right, I'm going it. I'll shut up. Oh, no, no, I mean, you're good. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Okay. Highly, uh, Just... highly carbonated because Belgian. Pours straight foam. <laughs> uh, it's uh, Brian's first day ever pouring a beer. Dude, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Don't diss me in front of the Andes. <laughs> Oh man! Um, Big fat, thick bubbles. Yep, hazy and wow, that's stanky. stanky. Um, Yeah, right, right off the top, like you get this beautiful funk. Holy moly, that's good funk! Like you know how I feel about. I'm just kind of like whatever about sours, but geez, it's it's a little fruity, like almost like uh, like Door County cherry, like Um, sour candy. Yep. 
Definitely sour candy. Um, a little bit of that like barnyard hay, like wet hay. Mm -hmm. Is that what you read? Did you read the back of this bottle? I did not read the back of the bottle. You want me to read the back of the bottle? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, three Fontian... Tianan? Tianan? Fontianan? Yeah, we have a hard time with this word. Udgu's Blend one, two, three-year-old Lambic, spontaneous fermented... Patient maturation in oak barrels and continued evolution in the bottle result in a distinctively complex beer. No two bottlings are alike. That's awesome. As there are multiple variables in the blending process, a variety of barrels, sizes, shapes, differences in aged lambic portions, etc. When cellared properly, three Fontainen Udgis can be aged for several decades. What? Shit, yeah. Traditional lambic is living cultural heritage rooted in the Zen Valley. Bottle fermented, unfiltered, unpasteurized. Open carefully, it says. I did. No, you did not. Whatever. Yeah, I did. You shot the cork across the room. Nobody was over there. Uh, if someone uh, was over there, it would be a different story. They they tend to be more <laughs> uh, Brett forward than uh, lacto forward or lactic forward. Um, but there is a little bit of both for sure. Um, but you definitely get more of that Brett Brettanomyces. Wow. That is about as dry as they come. Uh, it's like you're not drinking anything. I was going to say, like, I don't, there's no body. There's nothing folding over my tongue. The sour is going into the back. Right where it belongs. Right. And you're left with this beautiful, Man, funky. This is quite good. Like, this is not what I, I would never, ever order this. I would uh, never probably ever buy this, but. It's, it's good. It's. If I, tr if I travel in the right circles. I might be, you know, treated to it every once in a while. Exposed to a whale's bra, <laughs> right? Um, like I would, uh, like honestly, what I want with this right now is like, um, like a really nice charcuterie board. Yeah, like a little bit of uh, a little bit of like funky cheese mm -hmm. and like meat with the mold on it. Yeah, yeah. Mm hmm. It's a nice little place in yeah. Eau Claire, by the way, Third and Vine. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, I highly recommend it if you're going to get out that area. Right. Um, yeah, flavor-wise, I'm having a really hard time trying to pull the flavors out. I don't even know. It's just sour. It's sour, and it's like but sour it's, cherry. There's a little bit of cherry. There's cherry. Um, there's a little bit of malty. Like I'm just just a touch of like. Malt like sweetness, but like it, it's so dry that it dissipates so quickly. Yeah, um, probably more towards the low end of hot bitterness. I mean, I know there's there's definitely like balance happening in this. Um, and it's not like it's not like making me pucker like in a mm -mm. in any way. The first sip was a little puckering. Um, there's a little bit of grassiness, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I don't. But no, I, I so like more like, it's, yeah, more aromas, just that wet hay, like. It's still, I hate using the word smooth, but there's like more of a smooth, kind of almost a lagery character to it, but not all that any yeast character is being kicked right in the face by the sour. <clears throat> um, God, that's one hell of a bottle. Aftertaste is definitely malt. Um, mm -hmm. Dryness, I don't detect any alcohol. Wow, this is interesting. 
don't know, cher- cherry sweetness. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, don't know. I got I got nothing else on that one. I just same. Uh, if you see a bottle, pick it up, and it's for me. This is not your tra- your, your normal sour. This is what sour should be. Yeah. This is not like well, not one dimensional. Yeah. That's. This has so many layers. This is not a steak cooked in a microwave. This is a steak <laughs> rare on the <laughs> on the grill. Yep. All right. Mm-hmm. Let's get into our discussion topic no here while we're sipping on this because this beer actually folds really well into our topic today. Uh, so today we're going to be talking about the history of beer to guard. Uh, we're working through uh, uh, the ABV on this. Is what I think maybe six percent, maybe. Six point- 6.7. 6.7. And this was the bottling date, if you care, is uh, November 21st of 2018, and it says it's best before October 26th of 2038. Oh, okay. <laughs> so we're in the middle <laughs> of that. It's <laughs> a 38. Like, think about that. Also, think about that we'll be alive in the year 2030. I mean, hopefully. I mean, yeah. <clears throat> I'm not counting my chickens yet. I am. All right, good for you, man. <laughs> you're just gonna, you're just gonna be balder than than you already are. <laughs> <sighs> so the history of beer to guard, we are working through uh, farmhouse ales, culture of craftsmanship in the Belgian tradition uh, by Phil uh, Markowski. Um, and yeah, so uh, we're going. To, so this week we're going to talk about the history of beer to guard, and then the next uh, next time uh, we dive into this book, we're going to be talking about uh, the style itself and how to brew one. So yeah, this is all going to be kind of a history discussion here. Uh, modern beer to guard evolved from consumer preferences, marketing efforts, influence of lager brewing techniques, and individual interpretation of how original farmhouse ales may have tasted. That's something that we need to keep in mind while we're diving into this quote-unquote historical style. Um, as we're going to find out, this style is relatively new. It was like officially uh, like rediscovered in the 70s. And it might be completely different than what it originally was. Almost definitely is, I would say. Yeah. Um, yeah. So nobody today or nobody alive today knows how the original beer de guards of France uh, would have tasted, but the heritage of them is well documented. Most of the history was passed orally from one in, one generation to the next, where there are a few written accounts about beer de guard or old beer. Yeah. I mean, I, I would imagine if you're grabbing grain from the you know the farmhouse and making a different beer every year like why would you write the recipe down year to year yeah um and so specifically like this style it's not um about like i'm trying to think of the right way to say it it's it's more about the seasonality of the beer rather than the recipe of the beer right right um because, yeah, it is it is a <laughs> broken down. It means beer which has been kept or lagered. And uh, it's a technically it's an artisanal ale, which I don't you know. What does that what mean? What does that mean? I yeah, mean, I don't. This is from the BJCP. So yeah. there's that. But uh, northern France brewed in early spring and kept in cold cellars for consumption in warmer weather. Um, obviously this type of beer is now brewed year round, so there's that, but 
Yeah. Um, so some of the written ones, uh, we've talked about this guy before, uh, R.E. Evans. He wrote uh, The Beers and Brewing Systems in Northern France. Um, he wrote this in 1905. He describes beer de garde as uh, purposely allowed to become acid and at the same time acquiring a vinous flavor. Uh, mentions that the beer was vatted for six months or longer and on occasion blended with new beer. What does that sound a lot like? What the other one that we're drinking, the goose. Right, it does sound a lot like goose, right? Why would they blend it, though? I mean, it, they're mm. just like kind of like, oh, we got they, a they would They beer. would blend it back with um, either with other, other um, old beers or with new beer to balance out the acid. And they do that um, with uh, gooses as well. Mm. They'll usually do... Um, a like uh, a fresher beer with like two or two or more uh, ble- like older ones like usually like what is it like a one three and five or something like that and blend them into um, a singular beer okay so this is a beer to be kept it's a beer to be lagered are we using a lager yeast uh well we're not using like when this beer was being like we're talking about the history of it right there is yep. no yeah. Like, and they're talking uh, about it being soured, right? Mm-hmm. Allowing it to become acid is sour. We're talking about <clears throat> spontaneous fermentation there. Right. So we're like, these original beer to guard sound like they're a lot closer to the Belgian Lambics than like what we know today as a beer to guard. So this is more wild or house yeast. So this yeah. is going to have some funk, but not a lager yeast. And one thing, I one takeaway from the beginning chapter of this book was that these all went by the wayside because the farms went away. They started industrializing. And they started going more towards the loggers right, from and the Germany. Loggers popped and up. So that's an interesting side note. Um, yeah. So according to, like, Ari Evans, these sound a lot more like modern Lambics or Flanders Reds than what we know as Beer de Garde. And then we get into, and excuse, like, my French because it's terrible, uh, L'Industrie de la Brasserie. Uh, from L. Uh, Figuier. Uh, this is a paper he wrote in 1880, um, and this is obviously translated because I don't speak French. Uh, he describes the beer uh, as a highly special pale brew uh, made with malt at a rate of 65 pounds per U.S. barrel, um, aged in large wooden barrels for six to eight months before serving. Had a very vinous flavor or Vin- wine-like Vin- flavor. Vinous. Interesting, yeah. Um, and possibly experiencing a lactic formation in the uh, in fermentation in the cask, resulting in a sour character. And so that's, this guy, that, and that's okay. that's conjecture based off of the author, yeah, not yeah. the author of this paper, but the author of the book. Right. Interesting. So they both have this tie of being sour ales, and I, I like I kind of want to focus on that just a little bit, um, just so we keep that in mind as we go forward here that. These weren't clean beers. No. And this is the more malty version, too, like mm-hmm. of between Saison and, and that. But I'm looking just at a, I just put in like a Beer Day Guard yeast. Um, and OYL makes, I mean, OYL makes such cool freaking yeast. Um, but yeah, Belgian from a clean bodied. So this definitely is not. A lager yeast. It's a low flocker. We're talking 70 to 84 degrees is like the best, you know, and that makes sense. Like same, same with Saison yeasts. Like they're going to be fermented higher in higher uh, temperatures as yeah. well. So, um, yeah. 
Uh, so let's see. Uh, so during uh, during the brewing season, uh, beers would be brewed for immediate consumption. Towards the end of that brewing season, though, um, provision beers would have been brewed. These are beers that are going to be aged, so they're going to be brewed at a higher gravity or higher hopped or whatever. Um, and so, like beers to be guarded, right? Mm-hmm. So the higher gravity of beer to guard versus a typical farmhouse ales would allow uh, would help help with storage or guarding, which also explains why there might be. Um, some of the sour taking hold, right? If you're aging something in a wooden cask for a long time, it's you're especially if you're putting them in the same wooden casks year to year, which I would imagine is mm-hmm. probably something that was done. So you've got all those, all that, you know, I'd say substrate, like a place for the yeast to play around. That's why you would ever, ever put wood into the beer for anything other than flavor, would it be. Just another area for the yeast to cling to and play and bore into. So you can into. beechwood age things. <laughs> I just assume that that's why they beechwood age it. No, that absolutely has to be why they yeah, beechwood age it. Yeah, it's just like it gives a better ferment. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So as refrigeration became more prevalent, the necessity of, uh, for these seasonal beers uh, would become obsolete and they would fall out of style. Um, there is a little bit of... Like, the French love seasonality, at least according to this book. And <laughs> I thought you were just saying that. I was like, wow. I mean, <laughs> I'll say some things. But I haven't spent enough time in France to what, make that What do of... the Andes think of the French? <laughs> I mean, we can just not leave that off mic. But... Yeah, you can leave that one off mic. <laughs> um, but uh, there's, there's a lot about seasonality, and especially in this era of brewing. Um, there was there was a quote in here that I want to find uh, here. Uh, this is from an older brewer who remembered the era before 1930, um, and he said, as soon as the outside temperature got too high in the summer, the brewer would stop brewing. As the old saying goes, whoever wants to brews in winter, those who can brew in summer. Yeah, I, I know that saying well. Uh, yeah, well, no, basically, like, <laughs> if it's too fucking hot, don't brew. Like, yeah. is, what is yeah. or you're too busy, or you're too... Okay, fine. Like, again, having brewed on, like, one of the hottest days. And the coldest day. And the coldest and day. Yeah. As Wisconsin brewers, we can do that Problems, sort of problems. Um, but uh, we also have, like... So beer to guard seems like it's more of an umbrella style for things like uh, beer to Mars with or March beer, which uh, was the old like it's an old farmhouse seasonal brew that would be brewed towards the end of the brewing season. Um, like we're talking December, February, like. Uh, all right. I'm sorry. This would be brewed at the beginning of the brewer season and then kind of like laid down during that season um, because it would be brewed with the freshest and best ingredients, right? So you're taught like you have your fresh, your fresh grains. Like you're not you're not scraping the bottom of the barrel yet. Andy, we are definitely trying to get canceled in France. That would be, that. <laughs> <laughs> but not in the UK or. <laughs> I'm just reading like this. Uh, everything in here is. Uh, I mean, some of it's our opinion. <laughs> I feel but. like we're. I feel like we're t- doing a service to France by talking about this at all. Like, 
Uh, but yeah, so the which, which Andy said that Higgin Bob. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, beer to Mars or March beer was brewed with the finest, like their their best ingredients, and then they would lay that down and they'd open it up in about March, right? Mm-hmm. When they're tired, or either when they're out of other beer, or they're trying to get people excited for for beers again because beer was more of a hot hot weather activity because. Well, I mean, let's be honest. If it's cold, you're gonna like you're gonna be hitting that wine. You're gonna be hitting those spirits a little harder to get through the get through the cold <laughs> wine, huh? What did you say, wine? Yeah, I mean, the French they drink beer too. Yeah, we're gonna get canceled. What? That's what we're talking about. We're talking about French beer. Have you yeah. not been paying attention? No, no. Uh, <laughs> and then there's also the beer Noel, which is like brewing uh, beer de Noel. Noel. Uh, which is like their Christmas beer. But, uh, again, modern like brewing techniques and stuff kind of came in, and they made these seasonal beers kind of go away. Truly. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and so uh, the modern beer to guard style, there was a uh, French specialty brewing movement um, in the 1970s, where uh, craft beer started taking a hold in France again, um, and Brasserie uh, de Yuc, uh and their Genlin Beer de Garde is credited being the first modern beer de Garde. And that's where we come into what we view as a beer de Garde today, uh, higher ABV, more of like a little bit darker of a beer, caramely. Like so it's, it's a maltier, clean. less attenuated saison, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, essentially with higher higher gravity. Mm-hmm. Man, that sounds tasty. <laughs> yeah, I mean they're very good. <laughs> I, I, I'm hoping we can find some. Yeah. Um, but so I'd, I'd like to propose like just a little bit of a discussion topic here. Uh, so looking at beer to guard, uh, the modern style is drastically different than its sour origin, right? Do you think this is an evolution of the original style or marketing taking advantage of a lack of consumer knowledge? Run the question one more time. Uh, so looking at Beer to Guard, mm-hmm. the modern style is drastically different than its origin. Is this an evolution of the original style or marketing taking advantage of a lack of consumer knowledge? Marketing. 100, 100%. Why not? And why not? Yeah, like this is how this is how you get ahead in any industry is this like by pulling the wool over people's eyes with marketing. Like, yeah, I mean, I I, I think you're right. I think how do you think there were there were stories the old timers were telling about beer de garde in France, and then this craft beer movement started. Um, And it's like it's like saying here in the states that any of like the things that are labeled as pre prohibition lagers or porters or things like that have any resemblance to the pre about pre-prohibition beers of the late 18, early 1900s. Yeah, and the cool thing about this book, too, that we're reading right now is that this was, an, this was early 2000s, and so there wasn't that, <clears throat> that whole craze that happened, like, shortly after that. And so I do feel like this, this particular um, book is without that influence and that this is the true, like, scholarly old-school trip about you know farmhouse ales and i think you know as we had gone on you know like beard yeah it's yes i think it's marketing is my my the short answer right so yeah I, i agree with you um yeah it doesn't seem like that style would have evolved into this and i'm curious like when we look at the history of the saison if it's going to be similar um 
Because, yeah, again, we're kind of just discovering this book. It's been a fascinating read. I highly recommend it. I actually read that book probably 15 years yeah, ago. And, and you're caught up to where we're at right now. Yep. <laughs> I think these are unnecessary things you needed to say, Brian, but you said them anyway. Nope. So. <laughs> Everything I say, necessary. Oh, okay, okay. I don't believe that, but. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, if you have any questions, comments, show ideas, or what have you, go ahead and just send an email at feedback at blindindustudios.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash blindindustudios. Follow us on Instagram at blindindustudios. And I'll see you guys next week. Peace. <laughs>